We're back here live in the KZSM studios. It is Sunday night. It is Reyes here on KZSM LPFM, KZSM 104.1. And as a reminder, the views expressed on the show are those of the hosts and the guests and not those necessarily those of KZSM or SMTX CRA. Kathy, Laura. And warm today. I'm, I'm staying warm, yes. I mean... This is, listen, how many times do you hear people complain about it being too hot? Okay, I, I don't want to hear the complaints about it being too cold. I, I kind of enjoy this weather a little bit. It's brisk out there, but it makes us all enjoy being inside, being around the radio, right? And but you brought this weather with you from when you came from last week, don't yeah? Don't blame me. No, my <laughs> It is my daughter. Okay, so I, I got back last week from being up in South Dakota. It is minus 13 degrees, minus 43 degree wind chill. Okay, it's 13. I, you know, they're sending me pictures of their front doorknob that has ice growing on the inside of the door. Okay, you don't even want to touch your doorknob that's going outside. That's how cold it is. So, no, we're, we're good here. Well, we're but. extremely lucky then, aren't we? <laughs> So let's quit talking about the weather. Let's talk about something else for okay. our listeners here tonight. So, um, you know, I, I think sometimes when we uh, live in a place for so long, we take things for granted. And I, I was thinking about that when I went in to talk to Reverend Fernanda about how often I pass by that corner where her church is. And I don't, don't often think about it, you know, until... You drive by and you see the sign once in a while, but it's just something that's just always been there, but you just never give it a, a second thought. And so today on our show, we have uh, Reverend Fernanda Casar, so I want to welcome her to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And as always, um, you know, Rob will tell you how much I love genealogy, so we're going to start with that part of the show. So you're new to San Marcos, is that right? That's right. Uh, we recently arrived uh, by the end of June, so I've been serving the church since July last year, 2023. And so tell me where, where you're from. Give me a little bit of history about your family. Yes. So um, I am originally from Mexico. I was born in, in Mexico State. And then I moved to Monterrey when I was six years old. And I stayed there until we came here. So um, my, my mom's family, they are all from Monterrey. And my dad's family, they are from Mexico, Mexico City, Mexico State. So um, is that my, my last name, Casar, from my dad's side, that, that comes from Spain. Uh, I think it was my, my dad's great-great-grandfather, the one who came from Spain to Mexico. So, and, and my other last name from my mom's side, Marfil, that comes from the Philippines. And that's all I can tell you about my genealogy. <laughs> yeah, well, see, we, we talk a lot about that, how a lot of people kind of don't really, when we talk about um, the Hispanics, forget about the Philippines. And we talk a lot about that, about how mm -hmm. um, the Spanish were in the Philippines and how yeah. so many people there have Spanish last names. And so I always get excited when I see somebody from the Philippines, too, that has that last name, like Gonzalez. <laughs> or... Yes. And, yes. and so um, on your mom's side, have they been in Monterey for a very, very long time? Uh, I think they, they have been there for a while. And, yeah, I think that even my great-grandmother, they grew up over there. So, 
Yes, we have been there for a while. And I always read how Monterey started out almost like a, a wild, kind of like a desert yes. kind of deal. Yes. And now it's booming with all this industrial stuff. And I think HEB is in Monterey. Yes. yes. They have what, four stores in Monterey? Or? Oh, no, we have much more. Really? <laughs> yes, yeah. it's like Monterey now, it's an industrial city mm-hmm. and it's huge is big um it has been growing and, and keeps growing i think that right now we are around the seven million people over there i didn't realize it yeah. was that big and i also read that um there are a lot of um communities now or people industries that come from asia so does monterey have a big asian community there uh i think it was uh around 2015 that that we ikea came to uh Another, the, the state is Nuevo León, so mm-hmm. Monterrey is one of the cities. And IKEA came, came to establish their, their company over there, their fabric. So since that time, we have been receiving more and more Asian people from, from Korea, from China. And we have a lot of Chinese restaurants and uh, a community, Chinese community mm-hmm. is growing and growing. Yeah. And I find it interesting because they seem to immerse themselves really quickly into the... Um, community they pick up the language really really quickly and you see how fast you know you hear them speak the spanish language yes that's true and um tell me a little bit about when when you talk to your grandparents do you hear them talk about the changes that have come to monterey from the time that that they were living young children to how it is now and do they like the change yes definitely it has been a, a big change um we we still own the property where my my mom and all her siblings grew up and back then when they were growing up it was completely different uh, they were you know always on the street playing wildly <laughs> they they were nine siblings 10 and one passed but i mean it was completely different and then when i when we got back to monterrey um, we were living very close to that area, and it was completely different. We never mm. were outside and nothing like that. So, in, in a sense, it has been positive because you know now we have access to more uh, stuff, even even hospitals and things that are for good. And in a way, it hasn't been that good, of course, because um, you see the influences that are coming outside. Yes. You see the changes that yes. are happening. Yeah, yeah, that that's. The reality. And it's funny that you, you say that because I remember when I was younger and, and my dad's family would get together and they would talk and I would hear, you know, they reminisce about these things and things that somebody before them had said. And I always used to hear them talk about the, something about Dias Manzanas. And I would always say, why are they talking oh, about yeah. apples, right? But <laughs> but that's not what that means in, in Spanish, a manzana, that's a measurement of land. Is that correct? Yeah, it could be like, like a square. You, we call it like, like a manzana. city block. Like a city yeah, block. Yeah, like a city block, exactly. Yeah, and so it was, wasn't until much <laughs> later that I was like, oh, I felt oh. so really ridiculous because I'm thinking they're talking about apples, but they're talking about something else. Yes. And um, in, in Monterey now... Um, how we always hear about the the issue that people say that there's a lot of the the drug issues is that has that um become perplexing to monterey right now i think it's better but back in 2008 to 2011 we we had a very rough time mm-hmm. uh, the this 
this state completely suffer a lot for the organized crime and we we saw like many things blocks on the streets on the avenues like big streets and and things like that so it was a difficult time but then everything kind of went back to normal and now it's like any other city you can find you know crime and violence in certain parts of the city mm -hmm. at certain hours but in general it's like a good place to live in yeah and what about wages there now um are the, are the wages economically has has improved for a lot of people because you know i come to the outlet malls quite a bit mm -hmm. and that's the one thing that i do see is that when i'm at the outlet malls yes. The majority of the cars that come from Mexico from come from, from Nuevo León in that area. Yes, that's true. I think that since I was I was a girl, that was a thing. People from Monterrey have this culture of of liking coming here to shop and all that. So when I was growing up, my family and I, we never, like that was not our practice. Um, but I knew a lot of people and, and cousins and other mm -hmm. aunties and uncles, they, they used to do that. So... Monterrey is one of the wealthiest cities in 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 Mexico. Uh, actually, not Monterrey specifically. There's another city called San Pedro, mm -hmm. and and that is like where you have the wealthiest people there. So, in, in general, it's it's uh, we can say that you can find jobs and you can have like better salaries and wages. But it's also because the city is more expensive. Everything is more expensive than in other cities in the center and south of Mexico. Yeah. And um, so you, how long have you been here in the United States? Uh, we arrived on August 2021. Okay, so, so you're, you're just here with, yes. with the church, okay. Well, before San Marcos, uh, we, we served in Floresville, Texas oh, mm -hmm. for a couple of years, and then we, we were appointed to... San Marcos. So Floresville was a small ranching community. Is that still kind of that way? Or yeah. Has grown a little bit? It's, it's been growing. Yeah. Now you have more, you, you have an HB and Walmart and I mean the basic stores that you need to survive schools and parks and it's not big. This is much more a bigger, <laughs> bigger yeah. place than Floresville but it has been changing from what I heard from the stories of my parishioners that they experienced before. Mm -hmm. So definitely it's changing. And so um, did you come, so I'm going to assume it was a smaller parish there than the congregation there than it is here, or do you have about the same amount of? Actually, the, the congregation was uh, larger over over mm -hmm. there. Yeah, uh, not super bigger than here, but it was. I had more people over there than I have currently here, here. in San Marcos. And um, so, Going back to to your your grandmother, um, her last name was Mar Marfil. Marfil, and you said that was from the Philippines, yes. right? So how did she get to well, how 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 did that name come to be prevalent in your family? Uh, actually, it comes from my my grandfather's side, mm -hmm. right? He he was the one carrying the Marfil last name. I honestly don't know when they came or why, uh, but. But I can say that they have been there for a while, and yeah. And I read um, that one of the, I, I guess it was a large uh, grocery store, was Juarez, Juarez Market? Or is that like, is that like a grocery store? Is that a marketplace, or? Uh, it's actually another city, Juarez, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Juarez, Nuevo León. Oh. It's, yeah, it's like a different city, 
and it there has been growing so much so are we kind of like we are here now where san marcus is but it's all connected now san marcus cal yeah. buta austin exactly is that kind of how that's it, how, how it is? Can, yes yes the cities have been growing growing and now they are next to each other you know there's no more limits. Well, it, it's interesting that here we are on other side of the Rio Grande, just about as far away, you know, uh, and there's some similarities in, you're right, as we've grown, there's been, it, it, there's similarities in the way that the culture the, that's grown up, that you've talked about, that's changed, you know, what's remained the same, and that we all, as families, we all want these histories, these roots, these, the ability just to have, uh, be comfortable in our communities. And uh, I find that's interesting that uh, as a uh, minister, that uh, you kind of bring that insight mm -hmm. uh, here to us as well. And and so we know that um, Monterey was founded by the Spanish. They came from a predominantly Catholic religion. Yes. and But a lot of the people that came to found it were not, they were not practicing Catholics or they were Sephardic Jews. So there's a big... Um, Jewish, yeah, community, Jewish in, community in in Monterey. Yes. So, how is the religious um, sector there? I mean, is there are there a lot of different religions that are now there in Monterey? Yes, definitely. We have a lot right now. Uh, we have a big Jewish community. Of course, the majority are going to be Catholic, uh, but now we have a, a growing Protestant uh, population over there, and about everything. Like you, you can find communities of Hindu communities or. Uh, beauties communities, uh, Muslim, Islam, Muslim, yeah, Muslim communities mm -hmm. too. So that has been changing too a lot. And some people, of course, they don't like, but it's part of it. And it's like you were saying, we well, but you know, when you grow your city and you bring all these industries yes. in, unfortunately, that's what's going to come because that's what happened in Austin with IBM. Yeah, they bring all these uh, companies in. And then a lot of people started coming in from Asia, and so then your population and your areas start, start to change. To change. Yeah. Uh, that's no different than it's always been with mm -hmm. the, the melting pot that we have of, you know, in influxes of different immigrants in, in, in yeah. different areas. This yeah. is how we've been. Okay, do you want to take, go ahead and take, yeah, quick let's station take break? a station break? Okay, we're going to be right back with you listening to Rises here on KCSM, LPFM 104.1, San Marcos, Texas 78666. And we're going to be right back with you after the station ID break. Super fascinating, y'all. Hola. Si tiene ganas de escuchar música en español, júntense conmigo cada domingo a las 8 de la noche por música con ganas aquí con el tío en su radio comunidad compartiré con ustedes poesías música de mi juventud música contemporánea y ojalá música que le dé cálidos memorias cada domingo a las 8 de la noche aquí en su verdadero radio comunidad KZSM Join us at 11 a.m. on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month for two new half hour back to back shows Mothering Earth and Wonderful World. Mothering Earth, a show from Wimberley, features interviews with locals on important environmental issues in Hayes County. Mothering Earth will be followed by Wonderful World at 11.30. On the second Tuesdays of Wonderful World, hear all about the San Marcos River Foundation from host Diane Wasinich and her guests. On the fourth Tuesdays, host Aspen Navarro and her guests will have news from the San Marcos Greenbelt Alliance. 
Celebrate our wonderful world with your true community radio station, KZSM. It's almost Monday night, y'all. You know what that means? That means Vinyl Confessions, live here on KZSM, hosted by none other than The Wiz, who says he's calling all brothers and sisters and children of the night to join us on the random journey of life. Playing anything vinyl, one never knows what they're going to hear. You know where I'll be Monday night? I will be howling at the moon, listening to those cracks, hisses, and pops, along with those Kellogg's boys. Vinyl Confessions, only here on KZSM, San Marcos True Community Radio, the little station heard around the world. And we're back with you here in the studio, and Kathy. So I wanted to ask you a question about the, the founding of your church and the founding members, and um, so tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So El Buen Pastor United Methodist Church was founded in 1870. It was during the conference of the Methodist Episcopal Church back then. And they decided they wanted to form a, a Methodist church for the Spanish-speaking people of Texas in San Marcos. So um, there were Reverend Alejo Hernandez and Reverend Sutherland, the ones that took uh, this project and made it happen. So this was uh, one of the first Hispanic churches here in San Marcos and also around the area from the Methodist Church. Uh, After our church, there were formed others in Blanco, Mendoza, Bandera, Gonzales, and other places. But this was the first one in 1870. So last year, there were 153 years of the foundation of the church. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I would have never thought that. I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned Mendoza, and I actually know where that's at. Okay. Well, I think that it's going south. Right. So if you're coming on 71 from Austin, it's the road that goes to Lockhart yes. and Mendoza is in that, the, in that little area, probably maybe about... 15 or 20 miles mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. So, so yeah, so the first United Methodist Church that that was found before, if I'm not wrong, I think it was in 1847, they helped out to build the first building of our church. And, and but that building ended up, you know, turned turned down because it was collapsing the the tower that had the bell, the bell tower. And then a new smaller church was built from the Savage Lumber on the same lot on Fredericksburg Street. And, and that's where the church was for 65 years until 1935. So that was going to be my question. My question was going to be, has the church always been at that location? But that's no. not. So we're on Fredericksburg Street. Do you know where it was? Because I know there was a, a Hispanic uh, area in their yeah. community on Fredericksburg. I don't know exactly the number, but I, I only know that it was there on Fredericksburg Street. And, and then uh, something interesting about this church is that I believe that it has been committed to serve the community since the early beginning. And one of the examples that I found is that in 1899, the San Marcos uh, School Board began discussing the idea of establishing a school for the Spanish-speaking people of San Marcos. So in 1902, the school opened in El Buen Pastor, United Methodist Church. And it was uh, 
Mrs. Verdusco, who was the pastor's wife on that moment, who was appointed to be the teacher of this program for Spanish speaking. Well, and that's interesting because when we talk about the history of the school district, I don't think anybody has ever really brought that up or has said that. Yeah. We always hear about Southside. Yeah. Yes, which Southside was connected to the Methodist Church too. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's really interesting that that I found that this church is really committed to serve the community in every ways that we can. And through the history, that's what the church has been doing. Um, after that, in, in 1949, after the arrival of Reverend Carlos Garcia, the church leaders started the project of, of building up a new, a new church. So that's when Uh, with the help of the women who were selling tamales and the men selling barbacoa, you know, that's where how they made it happen. And also with the help of attorney Henry Kyle Sr., who donated the legal work, and Ted Brayan, the electrical work that oh, we Ted still Brian, have at, yeah. the, at the same property. So that's when we moved to where we are right now in the corner of LBJ and Grove Street. And that was in what year? In 1949. Yeah. Wow. And going back with those, yeah, some of those names here in San Marcos. Yeah, Henry yeah. Kyle, he used to have his uh, law office here on LBJ. And, of course, uh, Mr. Bryan was yes. over on uh, MLK. Yes. And uh, just, and Kathy's sitting here, somebody that knows what's going on in the community. And, and she's sitting here, wait a minute, this is some new <laughs> stuff that I didn't know. And I, I love to see that here on the show. This is what's important about us bringing out yeah. some different histories that we may not be familiar with in our community. And I, I, I tell Rob I enjoy doing this show because I get excited about having people that I know come on and having people that I don't know come on. Yeah. And, and I always find things out that, like Rob said, you think you know these things, but you really don't know a lot you know when, when you see this because like i said you know you know the church is there and i know a little bit about the church and uh, tell me a little bit about some of the members that that have come and i'll tell you um i knew um uh reverend uh Eredia, mm -hmm. and you talk about the the uh, positive impact that the church has uh, for the community and he had some daughters And um, and I can't remember now. I know it it had to do with viol violins, but yeah. I can't remember if it was um, the uh, Suzuki strings or if it was the mariachis or if it was the. I don't think it was the orchestra because I think they were already gone. But it was one of those two things. And he offered up the church and did a fundraiser for the organization. They made um, I, and I remember Chavela. Um, yeah was there and she and the ladies there made all the enchiladas and the rice the and the beans <laughs> and they did a fundraiser for that organization yes while he was here yes pa pastor heredia was a uh, one that is very well remembered in our community and and just recently a couple of years ago uh reverend esperanza baltazar which mm -hmm. was here in the community i think that for 11 years yes. at the church she was also uh, she's very well known by the community she was amazing yes and she was doing a lot of stuff offering like spanish classes at the church and serving in the campus college ministry and yeah the, the community is very involved and of course it's very well known 
for the fish fry. Mm-hmm. That oh, on Fridays, yeah. On Fridays, <laughs> I was telling uh, on one of the meetings that we have uh, yesterday, actually, that that's every time that I said that I'm the pastor of a one pastor to somebody in San Marcos, they are like, oh, are you going to do the fish fry? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so, so we are going to do the fish fry in this year. <laughs> Well, that's always good to know. Yes. Yeah. And so the fish fry, just so everyone knows, is that uh, this is on Fridays during Lent. During Lent. During Lent. And that you can come by on Friday nights, and it's usually from 5 o'clock. Well, uh, what they told me is that it's more during lunchtime. So there we this, go. this year, we're, we're going to start a little late. We're going to do it only during the, the month of March. But it's going to be every Friday of March from 11 in the morning to till 3 in the afternoon where okay. we're going to be selling the fish fry. See, it, you can never start too late to get this out in everyone's minds around town. Yes. And that's what we want to be making sure that that is deep in your memory. And so normally <laughs> when you do your plate, it'll have what, fries, coleslaw, or yes. Yes, and hush puppies? That. And, and, and the fish fry. And how, and how much do you sell your plate for? Uh, I don't know that part yet, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be around $15 mm-hmm. a plate, something okay. like that. Yeah. Well, you send that to us and then we'll go Absolutely. ahead and Absolutely. When we have all it, the yeah. information set, I yeah, will I was, I was just going to say, we're not going to quote anything right now. But <laughs> yes. It's, it's neat, though, to know that you have set up something that is here in the community, in our mind. It is a tradition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I guess when you are new coming in, you kind of, I see the smile on your face when you were talking about that a minute ago, that yes, um, the fish fry, yes, yes, you know us by the fish fry. And isn't that kind of neat that you're, you're coming into this legacy here in a community? Totally. That has been uh, very beautiful because, as I was saying, this church has been putting a lot of effort not only to do these activities that can benefit the community and, of course, the church, but also serving uh, in other ways. Like, for example, we have a, a food pantry distribution. We're going to talk more mm-hmm. about this, but this is another way that we get involved with the community and try to, to help. And, and that's a huge and beautiful legacy that I'm receiving and trying to be faithful to it. So the do you guys have any... Um any um, ideas to expand your church or to expand your your congregation? And if you do that, because, you know, it's a limited space. Yes. Do, 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 where would you go? Yeah, so um, right now we, we are focusing on, on bringing more people into the community. And once we get more people, that, of course, is on our minds to probably try to to build up more spaces because right now, yes, it's a limited space, but we we make it work. But definitely we would like to have a better space for the kiddos and for the youth and all of that. So that's in, in our minds. We're just waiting for the best time to do this. Yes. And so how, how have you settled into San Marcos? I mean, you know, you've come, you come from Monterey where it's a really, really big metropolis. It's yes. much different than here to go to Floresville, which is <laughs> kind of probably a shock for you. Yes. And then to come here. So how has that transition been from you going from Monterey to Floresville to San Marcos? It has been quite a journey, actually. Yes, at the beginning it was like, 
this is shocking, like being in Floresville and not, we, we couldn't hear anything in the night, Crickets. you know, and I was yes, used to hear ambulances here and there all the time. So that was, that was for good. You know, we, we found it that it was beautiful to live. More, more calming, uh, yes, more serene. Yes, but yes, we we found that all the uh, all the fun things to do more in San Antonio, and which was not very far away. No. So during the weekends, my family and and me, that's what we what we used to do. And now coming here, it was like, oh, this is beautiful. We have been spending the whole summer on the river, and my kiddos love to go there, and so that. And we're very close to it. We, we can walk to the mm -hmm. river. So that's beautiful. And the community is, is great because it's, it's bigger. And you have students and you have people um, from different places. So that has been, I guess, that something that we value. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay, and we're going to take a quick station ID break. You are listening to Raeses here on KCSM on Sunday, the 14th of January, 2024. Glad to have you listening in with us from all around the world here tonight. And uh, for those, uh, let's see here. And uh, this is KCSM.org, KCSM, LPFM, 104.1, San Marcos, Texas. And the views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KCSM or SMTXCRA. We're going to be right back with you. Hey, Sid, what are you listening to? I'm listening to Sid's Place, my show, the best oldies in the world. I'm on every Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. on KZSM, your true community radio station here in San Marcos, Texas. What's up, everybody? This is Justin James Bridges. And you're listening to KZSM.org. You can tune in every Sunday at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time here in San Marvelous to catch me and all my wild friends here on Sundays Free with JJB on KZSM.org. The LBJ Museum of San Marcos and the LBJ Debate Society invite you to the 2024 LBJ Museum Benefit Gala to be held on Saturday, January 20th, 2024, beginning at 6.30 p.m. at the LBJ Student Center Grand Ballroom at the Texas State University, featuring guest speaker, U.S. Presidential Historian Douglas Brinkley. Douglas Brinkley is the Catherine Sanoff Brown Chair in Humanities and Professor of History at Rice University, a CNN Presidential Historian, and a contributing editor at Vanity Fair. Having received seven honorary doctorates in American Studies, Brinkley works in many capacities in the world of public history, including for boards, museums, colleges, and historical societies. Six of his books were named New York Times Notable Books of the Year, and seven became New York Times bestsellers. For more information, reservations, and ticket information, please visit our webpage at the lbjmuseum.com events page and click on Reserve Your Experience. We hope to see you there. Back with you. 
so, you know, Rob and I, we have these conversations quite often uh, about how things used to be. And I, I remember, um, uh, you know, reading in the history books and you hear about, um, you know, during the Depression, how a lot of the um, soup kitchens were, were brought up and how um, a lot of people depended on their neighbors for, for certain things. And if you lost your job, your neighbor came to your aid. And I remember growing up, when there was a, a calamity, a death in the family, or somebody got hurt, how the neighbors and your relatives would all come, and they, you know, you you say, for instance, during a death in the family, it nonstop people showing up to your house and bringing whether it was pan de dulce or, <laughs> or or a dish for you to eat, yeah. and even though you're going through this sorrowful time, there's still this conversation that's going on, and all these people that are stopping by, and uh, you know, I think about that, and I think we've 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 lost a lot of that um, in our in our communities, and even in our. Ch I think a lot of our churches too. And I don't know if it's because you know now the federal government gets involved in so much of this that it's taken away that a lot of the the things that used to be this community stuff are gone. But I was in uh, of all places, Buda, on Thursday, and we were coming down Loop One, and we were going to hit. I think it's at nine twenty six. And there was just this huge line of cars uh, in in that park there, and right before you get to downtown. And I, I said, "Oh, I, w I wonder if the city's having having something there." But it was the line to the food bank, <laughs> and it went all the way around yes. that park, and it went into the street into Buda, and it was all the way down to the light. And and I I couldn't for the I couldn't believe it that here in Buda we'd have a a, a line of cars like this. But what struck me a little bit more was that for myself, when I always saw the lines in the food bank, we would say, like Selena would say, Las Carcachas. The majority of the cars were like that, but they're not like that anymore. They're more up-to-date models. Yeah. And I was surprised to see that you, you would have a car that a, a, a person who makes maybe a um, you know, mid-grade um, uh, wage would be in, in a food bank line. So tell us a little bit about the things that, that your church offers and how you guys raise money to help people that come in and what services do you provide for people that are in need? Sure. So um, in, in our church, uh, our mission is to, to be a bilingual and intergenerational Hispanic community of faith that seeks to share the love of Jesus Christ with hurting people through acts of discipleship, justice, hospitality, and spiritual care. So, so the community is one of our main priorities, to, to be part of it and to work with the community, not just for the community, but with them. And one of the things that we offer is a food pantry distribution in connection with the Hayes Food Bank, we, we have a distribution point every Tuesday from 12.30 to 2.30 in the afternoon. And what we do is that we open up our fellowship hall and we put all the food that we have in, in tables organized and we just allow the people to come and pick up what they need. They are kind of going shopping, taking, taking what they need. Um, and, and that's the way that we connect with them. And we have, I mean, I, I just recently arrived, so I during this time I have had the opportunity to develop interesting relationships and connections with the people and, and to know them and to know a little more about their story and, and the story of this place. And yes, um, just this last week we had 
50 new applications. So you, you can see the need that is around us. So the church wants to be there and to provide a space. So that's one of our main priorities. And uh, alongside with that, we, are, we have been receiving uh, families, immigrant families, some of them from Cuba, from Nicaragua. And so one of the things that we want to do also is to offer English classes in, in the church um, and spaces for, we, all, we have also a, a space for the children every Monday from 5.30 to 7, we offer them dinner and then we have games and a Bible study and some art activities, some sports. Um, and that's what we are trying to, to do to bring the kiddos to our church and, and just to share with them. But, but yeah, we, we really are engaged with that and we are thinking about ideas, you know, how, how to provide for the needs and maybe later on to develop a network of, of owners of business that could help provide jobs for the people that are arriving or things like that. We're just, mm -hmm. um, right now I think that we, I personally have been more like analyzing my surroundings, trying to know better the city and what, what are the things that are already offered and what are the things that we can add to all the variety of help that churches and organizations and, and the city try to offer for the community. But yes, we see a lot of need. Yeah. So I, I, and I wanted to ask, and I know it's kind of hard for you to gauge because you haven't been here that long, but you said you have seen an increase, right, in, in people coming yes. in. So that has, that tells a lot about our city now. Uh, but you also mentioned about, about the immigrants. So when they come to you, um, they're new here. Do, uh, do, do they already have jobs? They're looking for jobs. Are they are they placed in the home? Um, how, explain that to me. Yes. So I ha we have received like different uh, stories and situations. Some of them, many of them, are just arriving to the city. They have a place to live, and most of them, you know, share a same house, like two or three families in one house, so they can afford the rent, and and they are in the in the process of getting jobs. Some others have been here for a while, and, and now they're bringing, you know, their family with them, um, different situations. But yes, in general, uh, some of them have, you know, their paperwork done, so they, they, they have the permit to work, but they haven't been found the opportunities, or they are in the process. So we're trying to, to help to, be, to build bridges between them and... Well, and it makes it hard if you come from a place that uh, you're not speaking English or exactly. Spanish. So how do you find a job in a place where you don't speak the language? Yes. So the good thing is that um, we have, I think that we have a, a, a big Hispanic population here. So there's always someone that can, if they don't speak it, they catch it and they can understand. But definitely that's one of the priorities and that's why we think like we, we should offer these classes for them and and then we we said well action community action is offering classes and they are like well but we want to learn with people that know our language and you know so we're we're in that process so. it, it, it's it's very hard right because you 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 need that safety net and you don't feel secure so they don't want to go outside exactly for something that they're not comfortable in yes yes and so um you know getting back to how the uh the distribution of the of food pantry 
anybody can come to your church. They don't have to be uh, a a congregation member no. of your church. Is that correct? Is that that's correct? We we open up to the community, so they just need to come. And if they are not registered, they just need to fill out the application, uh, Hayes Food Bank application, and then they can come. Yeah. And so a lot of these things, you know, of course, it, it takes money and you need resources. How do you come up with the, you know, with, with the money for the resources to do some of the things that you want? And I know the food bank will come and they'll drop mm-hmm. off, but it's about making the partnerships, right? Yes. So who have you partnered with and, and how much money do you guys raise a year to be able to continue to afford to do these things? And then I thought I read somewhere, do you guys also have a, a place where there's, is there like a baby kind of deal where they you can come in and get formula? or? No, that used to be in our church before, and, and now they are in Southside. So uh, this comes from... So that was a partnership that you had? With it was a partnership, them. yes, yes. So um, we, we keep the partnership with Southside and... We actually recently uh, made an agreement to help out being like a warming center. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, they, you know, when especially like these days that Support are for the, ho- for the homeless people. Yes, to allow them to be in our church for a couple of hours. In the meantime, well, they that's, clean that's up good to and know. Yeah, because that. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I know the South Side has it's they're limited on space, and right now is. You know, I, I'm sure that uh, I'll probably try to go down tomorrow and help uh, in the morning. I know uh, uh, one of the reverends, uh, Tim, uh, Reverend Tim, goes over there a lot of times and uh, helps with the food uh, kitchen on the cold mornings like this. But where do these people, you know, where do you go? You yes. know, and you've got a little bit of an overflow. You were talking about you can come there to warm up and be at yes. the church. So, so yeah, that was just something that we discussed recently, and and you know we we came to the agreement and voted about it. But it's coming. I think that during these days, it's not going to be yet ready. We'll see. We are just uh, waiting for the written agreement so we can formalize all this. But that's what we talk about. That during those days, that they need to be open. You know, twenty four hours and for five, six days in a row, um, whenever they, they need to clean up the space or if the AC runs down for whatever reason, they can have, you know, a backup space and they don't have to ask the people to wait outside in the cold so they would come to our church. So how, how many people would you be able to facilitate in your church, uh, you know, on a day like that? Uh, well, our, our fellowship hall, I think that it has capacity for... 80 people mm. around it and and that would be you know with with the tables and the chairs so if we, if we take out the tables we definitely a little bit can. more space yeah. yeah and so on those days too when they come in for the warming will you be supplying a meal or just we we will only be supplying the space uh the south side would bring everything they need because they actually said that it would be just a couple of hours or maximum three hours and it would be in the meantime, in between lunch and dinner mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to serve in our kitchen unless that something happened with, you know, we will figure it out. But, but yeah. yeah, you'll have that plan B. when Yes, it gets plan B. <laughs> but yes, we, we're happy to make these connections and to, to serve. I mean, we're, we're right there. We're very close to them. And, and I know that they have been looking for 
a church or space that could do that. And so far, nobody wanted to do that. And we say, like, well, we're in the connection. We're Methodist, so. Well, and, and I, think, I, think, I think it's really hard, too, because I think, you know, when you talk about the homeless, people have that connotation that, um, you know, you're going to run into a lot of problems. A lot of them don't behave themselves, and it comes with those kinds of issues. But you're a church. That's supposed to be your mission. Totally. And and yeah, it'll come with that. But you you work you work through that. And so I think we've kind of, for a lot of us, have lost our way about what it, how we're supposed to serve ourselves. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's always a risk, you know, when you are uh, dealing with people in vulnerable situations. But I believe that it's worthy to take it, and that's what Jesus taught us to do and exemplified so we're definitely trying to follow his steps his yeah yeah follow, follow his his footsteps i think we're going to a commercial break okay and you're listening to rises here on kcsm sm uh kcsm.org kcsm lpfm 104.1 san marcos texas 78666 we're going to be right back with you that your imagination free Join local creator Karen Cross for a monthly open studio session at the Price Center from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on the second Wednesday of each month. Karen provides a friendly and happy space along with a variety of tips and techniques for creating by yourself or with others. She focuses on recycled materials and art journals. Bring a project and your supplies or just show up and plug in. Open studio sessions are free and open to all. Cash and art supplies donations, of course, are always welcome. The Price Center is located downtown at 222 West San Antonio Street. For more information, please call us at 512-392-2900. What's in the daily news? I'll tell you what's in the daily news. Story about a guy who bought his wife a small ruby with what otherwise would have been his union dues. That's what's in the daily news. Read the latest news about KZSM.org, your true community radio station, every Sunday in the San Marcos Daily Record. Look for our call letters in the headline of our exclusive column. The San Marcos Daily Record has been serving our community with news, features, sports, and opinion for over 100 years. Pick up your copy at your nearest grocery or convenience store. To subscribe to the print or electronic editions, go to www.sanmarcosrecord.com or call 512-392-2458. And we're back with you here in the studio. Uh, for Raices, Kathy, back to you. So I, w- I want to ask you this question about uh, maybe the the role of, in, you know, of the church in the future. We, we've seen so many things changing with uh, even within the Catholic Church where a lot of uh, what I would call uh, people who have had... Uh, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents in, in the Catholic Church who are leaving and, and going towards churches of the non-denominational um, aspect. But also traditions, you know, when, when we look at the Catholic Church, the traditions that they have had with, you know, the hierarchy that they have with the Pope, the Cardinals, the, you know, the priests, and then the nuns. But we're seeing a, a large shift in, in, a, in a lot of the religious aspects where now we have someone like yourself now who may be, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago would not have been permitted to take the role that you have. So let's let's talk about that. Tell me what, yeah. ha, well, and how you came to, to take this, this role. Yes. And 
Where did your desire to become a reverend come from? <laughs> yes. So definitely uh, the United Methodist Church has been going through a lot of changes. And I believe that in, in our church, in, in our denomination, to have a female pastors has been something that has been going on for a while. Uh, we still struggle, you know, being, being a woman in this position. It's not always easy. The expectations are always higher and uh, the demand and everything. And, and sometimes we, we don't have the same respect that other male colleagues that we have. So that, that's, that's a daily struggle. But um, and especially in Hispanic communities, which is something that you don't see a lot in, in white congregations. Uh, but I think that the Hispanic communities resist a little more to, to having, you know, female pastors. But here we are trying to do our best. Well, and, and the extra added weight because, you know, a pastor has a wife and she maintains the, the home and takes care of the kids. And he only has to worry about the congregation. But you, you've got the con congregation yes. and, you know, you got children. And if you're married, yes. there's that whole other aspect, too. Totally. You know, and if somebody calls you, there's something wrong at church, you got to get up and go. And everything, that, that birthday party or that dinner party <laughs> that you're having, that stops. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I, I have the blessing of having a wonderful husband that has been always very supportive with all of my dreams. And, and he helps a lot. He's, he's there. He's a... Uh, a very present father for our children and very committed and and that that makes my my that part of the of being a pastor like way easier than I believe other of my colleagues but yeah um uh I think that this is this is changing and and we have a lot of, I have a lot of uh, female colleagues which has been a change I come from the Methodist church in Mexico and, and back there, uh, sadly, we, we have been experiencing the contrary process. You know, even though we are allowed to be pastors, there has been uh, less and less female pastors serving at churches. So that was one of the motives that I saw a future here. And, and one of the, I think that I, I wasn't planning at all to come to the United States to serve, but the Lord put everything on the place. And, and when we were coming for my husband, uh, opportunity of job here, of work here, that's when I received this proposal where you're coming and you, you're ordained back in Mexico. So what would you think if we suggest your name? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and the moment I said yes, like two hours later, they, was, they were telling me they want you in, the, in this church in Floresville. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I think that I'm going to say yes. And it was just an incredible experience. Um, I learned a lot. That was my first experience as a pastor. So how hard was that for you to leave Floresville? It, I mean, because that's your first year. That, yes. I mean, that's your baby. That's you know? Yes, it was, it was very, very hard at the beginning because it, I only had the opportunity to be there two years. So we were in the moment of getting to the point where we were seeing some of the fruits of all the effort and I was moved. So that was uh, hard for them and for me, but that's how the Methodist church works. We know that the appointment lasts for one year and every year you have the possibility of being moved. And, and that was my case two years after I was moved. And yeah, that was, 
that was a process, you know, of grieving, but at the same time being very excited and happy. A and new opportunity. For a new, a new place, opportunity, new exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, that's part of the of the job. <laughs> and so you mentioned about um, Mexico, how you're losing, or you, you don't have as many women. Is, and is resistance coming from the men themselves or from the congregation? I think it comes more from from the men in power, from the from the leaders in the church, and for some reason they are very resistant and going. You know, um, I I feel that they are fearful of how things are changing in in many other religious institutions, and and they don't want to be part of that. So every time it's like they are closing, closing, closing. Keep keep the tradition yeah. kind of yeah. intact. And I think Rob, you had uh, you know we're almost out of time, and I think Rob has a question for you. Well, I was just kind of curious. You talked about how you're coming to a uh, new church, but that has been there for, in the community for many, many years. But that community is under a lot of pressure. It's changing. And so you're losing a lot of the folks that were in the neighborhoods. And now you're having to reach out to others and yes. trying to bring them back to the downtown area, back down to these downtown. It's, how are you dealing with that? What are you seeing? Yes, that, that definitely has been a, a big challenge because uh, around the church, now we have more and more businesses and less families are close to us. Uh, the families that are there or the people living there are now more elderly, elderly. people. So, uh, yeah, we're, we don't have close too many young families. That That's kind of the objective. We want to bring more families to our church. So we are coming with new ideas, trying to, to look out for different uh, going there where they are. You know, if, if there are some families and they have neighbors and, and they want to have like a Bible study or something, mm -hmm. well, let's go. We can go there. If, if it's difficult for you to come, we'll go. But but we definitely want to offer uh, in, in our church and building some uh, activities that can be for the good of the community and for example the kids club that we have every monday has been like a very good space for the kiddos uh they love they love it and and we are open to receive more and we are very excited to to be there with so them. what so age group is that that that's from right now it's it's elementary and middle school but we're trying to expand to high school when we have more people around that ages but but yeah it's a it's a fun time and and at, at what time did you say again? Five thirty to seven in the evening, and we give them dinner, so you don't have to worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> That's always good. Yes. So, yes. And again, with the uh, cold right now, you know, folks are always asking us about resources and about you know, and we have yes. people here that we send to different places, but. Uh, you know, this is the time when it's uh, very difficult for people that are out there right now yes. trying to find a place. So, uh, you know, and we, we are very glad that we have now met you and we will be <laughs> part of that community fabric that we try to weave here through KCSM. So thank you for coming in on Racist tonight. Thank you tonight. so much. Thank you so much so for Kathy, having me. So, Kathy. We have um, a lot of interesting shows coming up. Uh, we will have... Uh, the gentleman from uh, Broken Arrow are going to come mm -hmm. and, and see us here in the studio. Uh, we've got uh, Mr. Villasenor, who's going to come in and talk to us from uh, Los Angeles Funeral Home. 
I've got somebody who has a, a baking company who's going to come in and talk to us. So uh, you guys go to the Raices page and, and look at the dates, and I'll keep posting. So we, so. we want to wish you guys a nice, warm uh, Sunday evening, and uh, be careful these next few days. We don't know what kind of weather we're going to have. It keeps changing on a daily basis. I heard we might get some. Well, we're going to we're going to give an update here as soon as the show's over. In between the two shows here tonight, I'm going to give you a quick uh, weather update here. But uh, so stay tuned to KCSM.org. We will be here and be on the air for you as well as uh, be part of community efforts to try to help out as we can. So KCSM.org crisis. Thank you very much, Kathy, and uh, y'all have a good night. Stay warm. Thank you.